0: You're listening to the Down the Pub podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. So um <clears throat> welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Anthony Abbott. And on this episode, I am joined by San Diego Lyles midfielder, Jack Blake. Welcome to the show, bud. Thanks for having me. Appreciate oh, really appreciate you doing this. I know you've got a big game tomorrow, so uh, it really means a lot for you to do this. So, um, before we kick off into the main part, we kind of just do a couple of quick questions just to get you in the flow of things. So, what are your uh, what are your hobbies outside of football?
1: Oh, uh, well, I've got two young kids, so a lot of, <laughs> a lot of it revolves around them. Really, <laughs> whatever my son decides he wants to do on that day is what we do, probably. Really? Um, but yeah, no, I. Uh, yeah, just spending time with the family, really. Obviously, we're, we're away on the road quite a bit, so um, a lot of family-orientated stuff.
0: Amazing. Yeah, m- my wife just gave birth. We, we had uh, twin boys uh, four months ago. So. Congrats, yeah. congrats. Some busy hard work <laughs> for you then. Yeah, I feel your pain. So um, so, so, so I had uh, your, your good friend Charlie Adams on the show, and uh, I'd asked him who was the best and worst Dressers at uh, San Diego, and you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, <laughs> your name came up. So I thought I thought I'd allow you to uh, to address the balance. So who's the best <laughs> and worst dressers at the Loyal?
1: <laughs> oh, I think after Charlie's cowboy outfit <laughs> appearance to the to the game, I don't think anyone could top that worst dress. <laughs> uh, best dress, I would say. I would say Austin Guerrero's up there. He's always looking sharp on game day. He takes a lot of pride in his appearance, so I'd, I'd give it to him. He'd be fuming if I didn't say him.
0: Nice, uh, Ch- Charlie was having a, a, a pop at your uh, your hair as well, which I thought was a bit unfair. I think of course, was he was. Yeah, um,
1: although <laughs> yeah, like no, I've to lie to you, mate, it really doesn't look good.
0: I, I just uh, I just I I saw his little clip on TV there, man. He definitely like thinks he's the the, the big cheese. So yeah, he thinks he's a new Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what's um
0: what's the last movie or uh, TV show you watched?
1: Oh, I just finished um, the Chestnut Man on Netflix. That was good. Uh, I'd recommend that. Head
0: of here to hear first. Um, so, um, your favorite cheat meal?
1: Ooh, I'm probably a sweet tooth kind of guy. If I'm feeling the mood for some something sweet, probably ice cream. I'd say ice cream's my go-to.
0: Are you like a, a Häagen-Dazs or a Ben and Jerry's kind of guy?
1: Um, do you know what? Probably more local stuff. Honestly, I'd prefer to go to like a, a local ice cream shop than 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 like a Ben and Jerry's. Okay, hipster. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I live in San Diego now, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, so you're playing the club's uh, first first ever playoff game against San Antonio tomorrow. So, uh, what's the vibe yeah. been like around the squad in the the week leading up to it? Yeah,
1: it's just been a lot of excitement, really. Um, you know, it's been a long time coming for the lads that were here last year as well. Um, obviously, the way the season ended last year wasn't wasn't great for the boys. So. Um, some more a redemption from that side as well but um, I think everyone's just, just buzzing you know there's a, there's a unique buzz around a playoff game and obviously with it being an elimination match it adds that pressure and intensity so everyone's everyone's raring to go yeah
0: so uh, Landon's obviously been part of uh, big games like this so what's his kind of message been to you this week
1: yeah he's been um you know Landon's on a day-to-day basis very quiet um, and he'll he'll give pieces of information here and there and He's definitely uh probably uh spoken a little bit more this week. You know, you can definitely tell there's a there's a shift in gear with with his mindset and that's leading through into the team as well. So um I think I think Landon's probably feeling the same way as the players, you know, very uh very uh <clears throat> it's very intense week and and obviously all our focus is to Friday.
0: Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be an incredible game and I love the fact that it's a it's an elimination game. It's gonna add a, a lot of flavor to it. So yeah. I, I saw there on your Instagram and I saw on Charlie's as well the, the send off he's got from the fans last night at the airport. So uh how was that experience and uh how much of the how, how much of the fans being a part of this run to the playoffs?
1: Yeah, you know, it's great. Um on our first away trip um at the start of the season, we went away to Phoenix and they were there, you know, sending us off. And you know, it's been a roller coaster season and we're happy that you know we got that playoff and uh to see them again at the airport was, was fantastic. You know, there's still a chance as well that we could, if we win this game and an RGV beat Phoenix, we could be at home for the, for the second round. So that's another thing that's on the lads' minds and and everyone's wanting to bring uh, the playoff game back home to San Diego.
0: Yeah. Like the, I love the culture like, uh, you know, I obviously when I was talking to Charlie, I did a little bit of research on the, the fan groups that are there. Like it just looks like a lot of fun, at the stadium like how are you finding the atmosphere Mm -hmm. in the ground and how different was it from obviously being at the Monarchs who are obviously an MLS uh, second string
1: yeah yeah it's it's brilliant you know it gives us that extra boost when we need it and um, you know a hostile environment for the opposing team when we're at home Um, it's also good that we've had events like we had the other week where we were able to meet some of the fans and they were, were able to interact with each other and get to know them more on a personal level so that, that was also nice so uh, yeah it's uh, the philosophy through the club and the inclusion of the fans and the community is is very special yeah
0: Is, is there any kind of like uh, standout crazy fans like do you know like the, one, the guy in Portsmouth that has like the, the dreadlocks <laughs> and the tattoos and all that kind of stuff Yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'd say the, the, the man that springs to mind is probably Steve uh, the guy who has longer hair and he's he's at every game every opportunity he gets to see us he's there so yeah, he's probably someone that springs to mind with that one. Yeah, I
0: love it. I love it. So you and San Antonio have uh, similar records. So, like, what type of ex- uh, game are you expecting from those guys?
1: Well, I think one of their one of their stats uh, coming out off the back end of the season was that they were one of the lowest possession teams in the league. So it kind of gives us an indication that they're happy to you know sit back a little bit and hits on the counter, and they're probably very good at, at staying in their shape defensively, and they're probably hard to break down. So. Um, that's a good indication and they're also quite high on the list of yellow cards and red cards so we know it's going to be a bit of a dogfight especially in the first 10-15 first probably um, but yeah we're, we're up for that we're, you know and to go
0: That kind of gives you a good, a good opportunity if they're going to sit back to Hit one of your uh, your long range bullets. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah.
1: so, so like, yeah.
0: so like, you, you do score some great goals. Like you you, I, you don't really score too many boring ones. So, is that something that you practice yourself on the, the training ground, or is it something that came naturally? Like, how much work do you put into being able to to, to hit the ball that way?
1: Yeah, it was a lot of a lot of um, practice when I was young, honestly. Um, around the age of 15, fifteen, sixteen, um, when I left conventional school and I went into a tuition program with with nottingham forest and i was able to train with them um with kids two or three years older and it also gave me a lot of time to, to practice on the training field so i actually worked with a um a technique coach on on you know striking from outside the box and the way you hit it to make it difficult for the keeper and things like that so it, it goes back a, a long time really
0: oh wow so any kind of young kids who are l- looking to improve their uh, their strike of the ball what advice would you give them
1: I would say the easiest the easiest way for, for me to hit it outside the box would be if the ball's rolling forward. Um, if the ball's at a standstill, it's, it's harder to make it move. So when the ball's moving forward and it has that forward momentum, you're then able to to hit it kind of a bit lower on the ball than you would normally, so it doesn't sky over the bar and it already has that kind of forward momentum and forward spin. So I would say that's probably the biggest thing that I, I worked on, yeah.
0: So like watch. Watch videos of you. Don't watch videos of Charlie. Is what you're saying?
1: <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Charlie, maybe watch, watch videos of Charlie if you want to know how to ping a diag um, <laughs> out of out of play. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah.
0: so um, you obviously have a USL championship uh, under your belt. So, what, what kind of advice have you been giving your teammates? Because you know it's uh, it's going to be a force for some of them. So, getting into the playoffs. Yeah. So what, what have you been kind of Saying to the guys,
1: Um, I think a lot of it is is down to sticking together and knowing that in the games, even if you're a goal, two goals down, three goals down, even you know in a playoff game, anything can happen. Um, I think it's just about staying in in the game, staying um, staying compact as a team and together. And I think uh, you know that should hold us in good stead. We know that there's obviously going to be a lot of hostility in the stadium, a lot of a lot of pressure on us, a lot of pressure on them, but. I think if we just stick to our philosophy at play, and that's that's what the coaches have been trying to reiterate to us, is you know if we stick to our style of play, we'll we'll be just fine. So that's the plan.
0: So we're we're up in we're up in Canada here, and uh, I I know there's some people that probably don't watch the USL, but like they really should get into it because it's 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 a great league to watch. But mm-hmm. if, if somebody wants to go and watch the game tomorrow, like what 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 can they expect from the loyal? What type of uh, football do you guys play?
1: Uh, very possession based orientated. Um, you know, we like to be patient with the build-up and, and switch it a lot and just try and, um, move the opposition shape, you know, and then when the times were right and when we see a, a gap in, in their defense or whether it's a, a, a miss, you know, a mis- mistake in their shape, whatever it is to exploit, then, then that's the time we attack and, um, a lot of the time when we have a lot of the ball we're then in good positions to, to counter press so if we do lose it um we can win it straight away so i would say a lot of possession based um and yeah just i think we're quite an exciting team to watch you know we've scored a lot of goals this season a lot of very good team goals and so uh exciting is probably the word i'd use
0: nice <laughs> that's um yeah i've i've loved watching this this season and i'm hoping that more people here uh, start watching the games. We obviously have our own league here, but um, it's always nice to yeah. have uh, another league to watch. So it was announced a few weeks ago that um, you're all signed on for next season with San Diego. So I know, I know in these kind of leagues, a lot of players are like year to year. It's almost like you don't get multi-year contracts. So how important yeah. was that for you to get that kind of security for next year? And was it an easy decision?
1: Yeah, it was, it was an easy decision. Um, you know, when I first came into the club you know you could tell that the the um the motion and the the image of of how the club wants to be perceived and the route forward and um everything is pretty clear and it's a very very good philosophy within the club and it starts from the owner so it was it was an easy decision and obviously the security for my family as well um not having to move around all the time and and know that we're going to be here is is also very good and happy wife, happy life, you know?
0: <laughs> That's very, very true, my friend. So, 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 um, so, so what, what is like, like, you know, I'm on the East Coast of Canada, so it's completely different to what your experience is where you live. But like, what's what's life like in San Diego? Like, what's the average day for, for Jack Lake on the, the sunny West Coast?
1: Uh, you know, it's um, getting up for training. Obviously, we go to training in the morning and then usually afternoons, afternoons are pretty free uh like i said we like to do a lot of things outdoors with the kids and um a lot of water parks there's there's obviously the beach there's plenty of beaches to go to there's uh, we have a small dog as well so we take into the dog beach at coronado so i'd say it's just one of the places in in the whole country where you can do lots of different things and obviously with the weather being so good it, you know you can be outdoors all the time so um it's definitely probably the, the, the most beautiful place we've lived in in, in america that's for sure
0: yeah I, I don't know why i asked that question i actually hate you now so <laughs>
1: <laughs> go to hell you and your great life uh, so
0: so you you were at the as you mentioned there like you won a usl championship at the monarchs and you you were there for like three seasons i think so how did this move come around to the loyal like i mean it just seems like you were kind of settled where you were and um yeah. what what attracted you to to make the move over to san diego
1: um you know it was you know after we won the championship it was uh it was a it was a tough decision again to stay at the monarchs um you know the the view i had in utah was to try and break into the first team into the mls environment and um you know sometimes things just don't work its way through in football you know um it's not always how you play as some things that go on behind the scenes as well that that make it difficult to break through and obviously being an international player in the MLS, you know, those, those international roster spots, like gold, dust. that was a, a little difficult. I'm still going through a green card process that, that I'm at the back end of, but it's taken a long time. Um, and so at the end of the 2020 season, obviously after the pandemic, it was, um, I wanted to do something new, you know, I wanted, uh, I knew that San Diego were interested and obviously with Landon's name attached and, and having a conversation with Landon on the phone and, and people within the club, it was, yeah, it was an easy decision to, to come on board and, um, you know the vision of the club, like I said, was was very appealing, and it was a it was a nice change, and um, one of the best decisions I made in my career, I think.
0: Nice, as you mentioned, like the like you are trying to break into that MLS, uh, the MLS team, and when you were at Minnesota, it was they were the next season? I think they were going to become an MLS yeah. team because there's so many of the um, reserve teams in the USL. Like, how much is a, of a connect is there between the reserve team? And the MLS team—is there like a big disconnect, yeah. or are you guys like her together often? Like, what's the what's it kind of like being that one of these uh, reserves or uh, the reserve sites?
1: I think each each you know MLS organization that has a USL affiliate, I think each each franchise is completely different. You know, some clubs are very integrated, and some clubs aren't. Um, I think with RSL, it was very integrated. We train at the same facility a lot of times. We would train with the first team. Um, and then returning players from injury from the MLS side or players that weren't making the squad would would come down and train and play games with the Monarchs. So it was a very integrated environment. Um, you know, there was a lot of things that happened within the club with the ownership and a lot of stuff that happened in the front office that, that was uh, kind of put the club in a difficult scenario and it's still in, you know, quite a difficult scenario. Mm-hmm. So I guess from my position, it was... Um, you know, it, it wasn't the best environment to be at at that stage, so that was another decision to to move on. But as far as the club goes, you know, it's got a very good fan base in Utah. Um, people people care a lot about the the football club, and hopefully, they can get in a, a good owner and, and take the club further.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it, it is a great like franchise. As you said, like I, I know there's been some some issues and a lot of kind of stuff. I just mm. always kind of wondered because I mean, like you see, like down in uh, Fort Lauderdale, where. Uh, Beckham's son is now playing uh, for their, <laughs> you, you know, what yeah. I mean? and, you, and you kind of wonder to yourself, like, is that a publicity stunt? Has he any chance of making it to, into Miami? And I was just kind of wondering myself, like, what, how close these things were. So, um, yeah. so, so to kind of take it back to, you mentioned there like earlier on that you grew up at a Forest and stuff for like that. Like, it's obviously a massive club with a, a huge history in, in England. So, what was mm. it like growing up there? Like, what was the 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 facilities like? What was the the training like? what was it like uh, just becoming a young man through the whole Forest yeah. system?
1: Well, I lived uh, five minutes away from the stadium in Forest when I was growing up and I joined the academy around eight years of age, eight or nine. And, you know, we would be training probably three times a week with a game on the weekend. Um, and so I was fortunate enough to be in a an environment that was, at the time, it was one of the top academies in the country. Um, we produced a lot of plays into the first team and yeah, I say the development in England in the academy structure is uh, way more advanced than it is here in the US. I think the US is catching up, but yeah. the academy structure over in Europe and especially in England is is fantastic. So this, the vibe around the city, you know, Nottingham Forest, they were obviously they had Notts County as well, but the, the club itself was sort of everything to the city. Um, You know, was, you know, so passionate. We get like 30,000 fans every game at, at Forest. So... I would, I would be a ball boy on match day, you know, it was a real childhood dream. And and when I turned professional there at 17, you know, I had the idea of, uh, you know, I really want to become club captain, really want to make all the appearances and and all that stuff. And unfortunately, it didn't didn't work out that way. Um, And that's how I ended up coming over to the States. I got released when I was 21. And um, at the time, it was kind of, it was difficult as a young player you had a lot of it was like a revolving door of managers i think we had like eight first team managers in the space of three seasons so jesus it was um yeah it was very difficult to break through that was kind of the the brutality and and harsh reality of the sport kind of hit me when i was 21 and that was one of the decisions i made to, to come over to the states and um yeah i'm glad i did really
0: so how much does uh, there's a huge history obviously with Brian Clough and. Uh, the the European Cups and all that kind of stuff. Like, how how much does that weigh mm. on the club now? Because obviously it's been a while since they've been in the Premier League, um, but mm. I'm sure there's always a reminder that Clough is there. So, how much does that weigh on the club? Like, do you think it's a sometimes a hindrance to them?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, when I was when I was coming up through the academy, you know, you you couldn't go a day without someone mentioning Brian Clough's name or the Champions League or whatever it was back in the day no pressure so i think yeah exactly i think the fans you know who had lived through that as well and and experienced the champions league and Cluffy days and all that i think that kind of put the club's expectations on a pedestal and and anything but you know either being in the top flight or getting promotion was sort of a underachievement so that definitely hindered i think the performance of the club um but it's funny how things work out you know my uh that when we was at the Monarchs, the team admin for the for the team is now the chief exec, uh, chief exec of uh, of the club at Forest. Wow. Um, yeah, it's crazy, so crazy how things turn out. Yeah, he's uh, a guy called Taymor Rushdie and uh, he was one of the one of the best people I've I've met in the sport. And um, yeah, he's done really well for himself. And is yeah, he was at Barnsley last season, and then he this season he just moved to Forest, and he's he's like the Club secretary or chief exec, vice chief exec, whatever it is.
0: That's so. But yeah, cool.
1: it's funny how how things work out. Yeah.
0: So are you like sending them Facebook friend requests, trying to get a move to Forest for yourself? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, sending them every goal I score, I just sending them. a
0: video <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, but that, uh, it's, do you know what? Like from from doing the podcast, it just seems that like football sometimes it's a very small world it's just these random people that like, you know that you, you just meet along the way and then they'll appear again some at some uh, later stage in your career so <laughs> so like yeah. not to not to bring you down or anything like that but like I, I always kind of find it interesting how each player takes that awful bad news like you, you, it seems to especially when I'm talking to people in the USL because I, I tend to I, I try to do a series of talking to people from ireland and england and scotland and stuff like that like so that fateful day when they told you that you yeah. were being released like like h- how did they break the news you was it very just matter of fact or <laughs> thing and like, yeah,
1: that's a good question
0: and, and what was it like for yourself like uh, obviously you've been there for your whole career per- to that, that point so what, what like,
1: yeah were you just like uh, it's funny you ask i got a, yeah pretty pretty good story about that really um Yeah. When, when I was at the club from, from eight years of age, um, to 21, um, between the ages of 17 and 21, after I turned professional, I was playing in the under 23 development league, um, which wasn't, wasn't an ideal standard. It was sort of a, an extension of your kind of scholarship, but in my opinion, it wasn't really beneficial. Um, I think at the age of like 17, 18, if you're, if you're good enough, you should be in the first team squad. I I don't necessarily believe in the development squad era, um, so that kind of made it difficult for a lot of young players to come through. Is that you were just, you know, still at the age of 20, 21, playing the under twenty-three development league, and you'd had no professional experience. It kind of, it didn't really help players, in my opinion. Um, but anyway, we, I was, I was twenty-one, and I uh, woke up one morning, and we had, we had the twenty-three, almost equivalent of like a, to make the playoffs. We had to, we had to win. So it was, a, it was a big game, and we were playing at home against Huddersfield Town. And I woke up on the morning of the game, probably like a three o'clock kickoff. And I woke up on the morning and I had a a letter through the post from the club. And I was kind of, you know, intrigued as to what it could be. Opened up the letter and it was a letter directly from uh, the academy manager. And it basically said, uh, you know, thanks for your time at the club. Um, Unfortunately, we won't be offering you a new contract. And I wish you all the best for the future. It was probably three sentences long. Holy and, um, shit. you know, the immediate, the immediate feeling was, yeah, the immediate feeling was it was a lot of anger. Got sent off after 28. 28- you still have to yeah, play in, that day? In, uh, <laughs> for two yellow cards. And we ended up losing the game. So the, the, it was funny because the manager actually asked me if I would check my post when I got to the game. Oh, Jesus he was like, you, you checked the post this morning? And I was like, not seeing anything. Why? Why? or something in there? and then he's like, oh no, don't worry about it. You know, just concentrate on the game. <laughs> so
0: oh my God. I can't believe they made you play the fucking game. <laughs> I was like, Jesus
1: Christ man, that's fucking horrible. Like, I mean you give that much time. Someone I got booked and then yes. I know, I know.
0: You give that much time to the club, and all they can do is send you that, like not even a phone call or an e- like not even an email, a fucking like snail mail. Jesus Christ!
1: Yeah, that, that's probably but the honestly, worst. Like that
0: that's probably the worst one I've heard to be honest.
1: Kind of came out the blue, really. Definitely, um, like I said, it was like a harsh reality of what Jack to, to these clubs and these teams. So, um, yeah, that was it. Left me very angry, but that kind of gave me a bit more motivation to to prove people wrong, I guess.
0: Yeah, it, like there's one thing of being like like a harsh reality, but I mean like. Bring you into a room somewhere and just let you down gently, rather than just like so like chicken shit feels like you know what I mean. Like send you yeah. like a, a letter in the post. So obviously, yeah. like something good did come of, come from it because you you got to come to the states. But like, how did that move then come about? Like, was because you know you know yourself, most players they probably drop down the leagues with the conference league two, or yeah, and whatever. So how did that move come about, and what convinced you to kind of try something different?
1: Um, it mainly came about. I've uh, grandpa, Parents that live in Phoenix, Arizona, they've lived there for uh, 30 years. So I knew that the US market was on the rise, obviously, at the time. Players like Gerard Lampard, Mm -hmm. uh, obviously Beckham years before that had gone over and it seemed like it was um, a market that was on the rise. And I did a bit of research. I didn't want to go down the lower leagues of England and try and work my way up. I wanted to try something different. Um, And so what I did was I I flew out to my grandpa grandparents' house um, and then I sent emails to teams in the USL, in the NESL and MLS and basically just asked for an opportunity to to come in and train and I just took my boots with me and uh, wow. the first team to, to reach out was uh, out in Orange County actually, um, went on trial there and and then ended up at Minnesota on trial and then that's how the Minnesota move came about so yeah, it was pretty that's- crazy really.
0: So it's all your own hard work. There's no agents involved. you just pure, pure graft. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, I, I had an agent at the time, but he, he wasn't really connected over in the US. So it was, yeah, it was kind of a lot of teamwork from both ends, really. So
0: my, my advice to anybody who's gone through the academy system right now in, in England is to send your grandparents to the States to live. <laughs> 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 It'll help you sometime yeah. along the road if you get a letter uh, in the post. <laughs>
1: Yeah, maybe maybe even the parents, because then you get a green card off the back of it.
0: <laughs> there you go, smart thinking. So, so like when you when you moved to Minnesota, like obviously as I said, they are on the cusp of uh joining the, the the MLS. Was there ever that kind of was that carrot ever dangled in front of you that you would have a chance to 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 make that team?
1: Yeah, well, I, when I went over to Minnesota, I didn't. I didn't know anything about, you know, the international roster structure or, or any rules in the MLS, you know, it was kind of a, a whole new learning curve. And so when the new, when I knew the club were going to MLS, you know, like every player in that squad at the time, you just want to play well and, and, and try and do the best you can so that you have an opportunity. But, it, you know, the international roster thing was an immediate roadblock and, you know, um, didn't have a, a bad season in Minnesota, but it, it was definitely not um, something where I, I was going to get an opportunity in the MLS. Um, but as a club itself, you know, extremely good fan base, um, similar to Utah, really. You know, the people, people love football over there. So it was a, a real good environment to be in. It was a good introduction to the U.S. game.
0: Have you had a chance to go and catch one of their games in the MLS?
1: Um, no, I haven't actually. I left, uh, when I left Minnesota in 2017, I haven't actually been back. Wow. Uh, not even to play against them. Does
0: does that say something about Minnesota itself?
1: (laughs) 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 Maybe. You know what? It wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. (laughs)
0: I'm joking. joking.
1: It was... No, it it wasn't the best. Obviously, it's not San Diego. It's not, you know, Tampa, Florida or whatever, or Utah, but it it wasn't terrible. You know, I I quite enjoyed the city, actually. So,
0: um, you you moved in. I, I think you're at... Jacksonville and then you went to Tampa Bay and um you played with Joe Cole uh, when you were there so I have to ask you like what, what was that like training and playing alongside mm-hmm. like a, a legend like that
1: <laughs> yeah it was pretty surreal really um you know I when I got to the club um you know first day in the club at Tampa was I I the first person I met was was Joe he uh the, I got there quite early and the locker room was empty and he was the only one in there so It was a pretty surreal moment. Obviously, I'd watched him in the World Cups and score that goal against Sweden and (laughs) all all the games that, you know, you'd watched him play. And then um, he he actually is, well, you know, probably the most humble guy I've come across in in football. He's, you know, willing to help any player, any young player. And I know he's gone into a bit of coaching now. I think that'd be be very good for him, really. He's a a top guy, yeah.
0: So was he like, uh, you know, I I talked to a couple of people who were at, phoenix with drogba and stuff like that and they said it was like really humble and uh he, there was no kind of airs and graces about him was joe the kind of same
1: very humble yeah he um you know his lifestyle was completely different to to anyone else's you know he lived in the, the penthouse suite of one of the best apartments in the whole town um <laughs> but other than, other than that it was uh you know yeah you wouldn't know really you wouldn't know it was joe paul and the way you know he acted on a daily basis, was uh, you know, extremely humble and know, yeah, like I said, top geezer.
0: And what, what was he like to play alongside? Like a, like I was talking to um Aiden Quinn. Yeah, he plays for playing for Phoenix and he played against uh, Schwein- now. yeah, he was yeah. playing against Schweinsteiger and he said even though Schweinsteiger was like in his later years, he still had that kind of sharpness about him. Was Joe Cole the same? Did he still have that kind yeah. of like the football brain was there?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you'd you'd see it more in training and small-sided or something like that. You know, there was flashes of, of brilliance, and you know, still that player that he that he was. Um, obviously, he wasn't as mobile or athletic in games and and stuff like that. But there were still things that he did that were, you know, oh yeah, that's Joe Cole. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> it's like I, I, it's just so random how like. Uh some players just end up I I, I think in is this, uh Charlotte now you've got like Gabriel Obertan and you've got um, Sylvie, Sylvain Marvaux yeah Christian Fuchs from, <laughs> yeah, yeah like it's so random like how these guys like, yeah. just end up like so uh, I mean like, like how did did Joe ever tell the story of how he ended up in Tampa Bay
1: no I, I don't I don't recall the story of how he went there
0: it's, it was just so random like when you know like he went from I think he's playing at Coventry uh, like he'd been to Lille and Liverpool and all that kind of stuff, and then suddenly he was in Coventry, and then next thing you know, he's playing second. not even the the MLS. It was just so random that he ended up in Tampa Bay. I just yeah, find it It's just so weird and know you see him back on TV and stuff like that. So I've got to ask you, your your goal celebration with the uh, the cross the, the the crossbow thing. Where did that come from?
1: Yeah, um, kind of. Uh, you know, it was it was uh it was something that I you know back back from my hometown really in Nottingham. Obviously, with it being Robin Hood. Um, when I scored my uh, first professional goal in America, it was it was actually on my debut for Minnesota, and we played in the Open Cup against St. Louis. And uh, I did it after I scored. I think I was just so like elated at the time. And uh, and then the club kind of, I guess, kind of ran with it a little bit, and they created like little uh, <laughs> mannequins and little, uh, I guess, like <laughs> things to earn money off the back of it. You're kidding so, me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no it was it was pretty funny i got a little badge of it at home somewhere yeah yeah it was kind of cool
0: like i had uh yeah
1: it was it was cool at the time so i kind of just ran with it I just kept doing it and uh yeah it was it kind of brought me good luck in a way
0: that's that's amazing um so i just the, the last question i had like we there's always one question we always end on but before i do that then uh you obviously spend a bit of time with the scottish underage uh, squad um uh, mm-hmm. international team how how did that come about like a, um and how was your time with the with the scottish youths
1: yeah so my same the the grandfather that lives in arizona he's scottish as well so Jesus, you uh, oldest you are a fucking uh, 40, yeah. I, <laughs> <know>. <laughs> I hope he's on um, the christmas card list <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's actually on my leg. You know, I've got a tattoo of him on my oh, leg. So <laughs> uh, we're, Yeah, we're we're pretty close. We have we have a good relationship. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. He. So the Scottish FA found out I was. You know, had some Scottish in me, and I was sixteen, fifteen, or sixteen, and I um I was in the the youth team at Forest, and we had a good run in the in the youth cup and stuff, and. My uh, manager at the time was a guy called Ian Jess. I don't know if you know the name, but he played at Aberdeen. Um, oh, yeah. He also played at Forest. Yep. And he yep. was, yeah, Ian Jess in midfielder. Um, another, another top guy. And, and he got a call from the Scottish FA about me. And um, they basically asked me, you know, I know you're English and I know that you, you potentially want to, you know, play for England in the youth level, but we've got an opportunity for you that you might like. And it was basically to represent them at the under-19 championships in Slovenia. And I was only 15 at the time, so... Wow! He's coming to come into a training camp, and just you know, you don't have to commit to anything. But if you want to come with us, we would love to have you, sort of thing. So, yeah, it was an opportunity I, I couldn't turn down, really. And um, yeah, it was it was it was pretty cool. We played against uh, Belgium, Wales, um, and Slovenia. Yeah,
0: that's how you played so against. how uh, cool. you played against Ben Davis, uh, Yannick yeah. Rasco. You played against the uh, Lukaku's brother. Yeah so some good players yeah, that you got to play yeah. against
1: yeah Lukaku's brother's an absolute beast by the way <laughs> <laughs> even he then was, right? <laughs> I remember trying to get round him yeah I remember trying to get round him uh, in the game and he was just just yeah stuck one finger out and knocked me over I think <laughs> <laughs>
0: amazing so uh, the, the last yeah. question I ask everybody you're Ooh. going to play in a five-a-side tournament from the players you've played with who makes your
1: team oof wow um. Okay. Oh, this is a tough one. Um. Joe Cole has to be in it. Yeah. Couldn't. Could not put him in. I'm gonna go with one. Of, one of my closest friends in the game, Kalen Ryden. Um. So he plays at New Mexico right now. I uh, could not put him in. Um. And then two more. Oof. Um. So you're gonna include yourself? I would yourself. say. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'd have Char- to, wouldn't I? Not, yeah.
0: Not even Charlie did. <laughs> oh he didn't (laughs) no he's like way Uh, too full for himself to do that but now you go right ahead man
1: (laughs) (laughs) I gotta take it out now no no it's your team bud (laughs) Uh, let me think let me think Um... back from the forest days I'm gonna go Chris Cohen um one of one of the for me one of the, the hardest working people in the game uh had an engine so in small-sided game he'd be he was unbelievable nice. um and then yeah and then um you think so i need a number nine don't i basically yep. um Um there's a couple running around I'm just gonna go with uh I'll go with uh Jochen Graf. Yeah, he's one of my good friends. I'm gonna have to go with him.
0: Nice. Can you just do a recap for me? So, yeah, that's
1: my team. Yeah, so it's uh Caleb Ryden. Um, it's Joe Cole, and Graham, uh, Chris Cohen, and yourself, and then goalkeeper. Do I do, I get to pick goalkeeper, yeah. No, uh, some people and don't myself. I'm gonna put yeah. myself in goal. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> love it. <laughs> no, love I'm it, not gonna it. put myself in. I'm gonna put, um, <laughs> no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. No, I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not. Yeah, go on. Why not? I'll yeah, go, go for on, it. Why
0: not? Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you're, you're a professional. You're, you have, to have that uh, self belief, man. So, <laughs> man, it's been amazing talking yeah, to you. Go. Your 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 story through the through yeah. the, your careers is is fantastic, uh, and I really look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Hopefully, we get to see your uh, your celebration and they start making some mannequins out in uh, San Diego. So, thanks, man. It's yeah. been a pleasure. <laughs>
1: yeah, that'd be nice. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate it. Mate. No worries.
0: You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast, recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Head to downthepope.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers.